0: Hello, everyone. This is Dr. W., the host of the podcast, Grief Glasses. For today's show, I have the pleasure of interviewing a good friend of mine, Dr. Paul Baker. And I want to uh, welcome you to the show, Dr. Baker, and thank you for agreeing to come on.
1: Thank you, Dr. Washington. It's great to be here.
0: Absolutely. So I, I start my every show off with this question, and that is, what comes to mind when you hear the term grief?
1: The first thing that comes to mind is dark. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, I would say um, heavy, um, mourning. Um, being a visual arts major um, in college, I kind of, you know, utilize colors and, you know, things of that nature and the aesthetics to describe um, emotional feelings. Okay. Uh, so I would say, um, you know, black, of course, um, you know, dark green, stormy, gray color um, to kind of describe to me, you know, what grief really, you know, means through aesthetics.
0: Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I haven't had anyone to take that approach with with the response. So I can appreciate a different approach uh, to the question. So uh, here's what I want to do with this conversation um, for season two, I'm interviewing close friends who've had some form of grief happen in their life. And so, For today's show, I I want you to share with my audience what is your grief walk, who will you be talking about, or what situation will you be talking about for today's show?
1: Uh, Today, I would like to talk about my experience uh, with grief with my parents. Okay. And um, the journey that I took and the journey that, you know, I saw my parents take um, in Uh, their line of experience and grief as well.
0: Okay. So I remember I I met you when I first started in the professorship and you were the very first person I met on campus. Uh, I don't know if you remember that. That's been some years ago.
1: Yes, definitely. Um,
0: But I do remember and recall that. So um, we have a long history, but I remember, you know, after we built a relationship. I remember you talking about losing your father. So perhaps we can start there. If you would talk to me a little bit about, kind of take me through that journey of what that looked like, how that transpired over the course of finding out, you know, that there may have been some health challenges and how did you manage those and and what things looked like and felt like when things came full circle for you and your mother.
1: Yes. Uh, Well, my father, he uh, passed... Uh, back in 2002, and my grandmother had passed on uh, the uh, December prior. Uh, she actually passed on my parents' wedding anniversary, December 20th. Mm-hmm. And uh, that coming fall in October, uh, my father passed. And that, I think that was right after uh, we started the semester. And um, it was hard because it was sudden. Uh, in the fact that uh, he had had some, you know, minor ailments here and there. And he was, you know, asked, you know, to do surgery to clean out some arteries. And it was to of a routine uh, procedure and went in and didn't put a whole lot into it because he walked into the uh, hospital. And um, from there, uh, they came out and said the surgery went well. And then someone came back out and said there was an issue. So they went back in and um, they had to um, work on him, as they said. And when they came back out, they said that he had suffered a massive stroke uh, Mm. while um, he was in surgery. So um, they decided then they would um, airlift him to Duke Hospital um, because I'm from a small town and we had a very rural hospital. There's only one hospital in the county. So he was airlifted to Duke um, Medical Center in Durham, and uh, he was there for about maybe two days. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we were brought in. And when I say we, uh, myself, because I'm the only child, and my mother and uh, supporting aunt Mm -hmm. um, came in, in, and they, you know, told us that, you know, there was very little activity um, as far as brain activity and swelling had increased. Um, So we you know, decided then that we wanted to make sure that he did have a level of dignity, mm-hmm. and in saying that, we decided that you know we would not um, move forward with any type of artificial type uh, life support. Okay. Uh, so they took him off the life support, and uh, he passed later on that evening. Mm-hmm. Um, now the real part came in in coming home and. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember pulling up into the driveway of the house and all of this stuff was still there, Mm -hmm. um, of course. And neighbors were, you know, so I pull up. So they want to know how he was doing totally unaware that he had passed. So Mm -hmm. um, in dealing with that, um, it became more of um, I had to be a support system Mm -hmm. uh, because I looked at my mother who had lost her mother and her husband in less than a year. Uh, so that was, you know, my goal there to, you know, be a support system for her. And in that, I kind of put my grief to the side. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what a lot of people will do in in many cases. Mm -hmm. Um, will put their own grief aside, bottle it up, box it, and put it on a shelf and just deal with what's there in front of them and what they feel that is more important. Sure. So I did that and... I stayed home for a week and it was, um, more of, and I'll be very honest with this. It was more of guilt mm-hmm. in staying home, you know, that period of time, because I said, well, I didn't want to go back to Raleigh and go back to work. Cause at that time I was, um, I was an adjunct at St. Aug, but I was working at the museum of history as a curator. And I, um, said I would go back, you know, after a week. And, um, I remember, you know, see my mom standing in the, you know, front door and I'm driving off. And that was a huge amount of guilt, um, mm. of leaving her there. But she said, you have to go back and, you know, you have to start your own, you know, life again. And, you know, we just move forward. Mm. So, um, that kind of shifted me to becoming, um, uh, per se, the man of the house mm-hmm. <laughs> right. in many cases. And I saw the transition of, um, my mom me and my mom's relationship from being parent and son to almost being a marital relationship. Mm, interesting. Uh, where we would talk about, you know, business stuff, um, financial stuff. Um we would have those kind of conversations that she normally would have had with my father. Sure. And even the social interactions and you know when we would have dinner and um other, you know, sometimes other relatives would come to eat. And she would fix my plate, uh, which she had not done prior when daddy was living, but she would fix my plate and she would put it at the head of the table. Um, so that kind of transitioned us into kind of, like I said, you know, this kind of um, quasi marital um, situation where we were kind of even um, in our conversations and it was no longer a parent child. Now, later on, that did shift. Mm-hmm. Um, Years a couple of years later, when my mom passed in 2015, and uh, from there, um, prior to that, she did um, become sick, and I um, took a leave of absence. Um, I was um, working as a um, provost at a college in South Carolina, and um, once again, putting you know my um, affairs and my things on hold uh, mm-hmm. to make sure that you know she was okay. Yeah, And um, so, you know, took care of her and had, you know, a couple of in-house nurses take care of her until she passed. Mm -hmm. And in contrast, it was much different uh, where my father, it was sudden. But with my mom, uh, you could see the decline Mm -hmm. and you could see her footpath in the house had, you know, diminished where, you know, she was no longer going through the house and other rooms, but she was, you know, confined to her room. Mm-hmm. And, um, so with that, um, the grief was still the same, but the, um, uh, passing was different. Um, yeah, that's,
0: that's really, um, uh, interesting story. It's somewhat symbolic in terms of how my parents transitioned. Um, so I can understand a little bit about the differences in terms of your fathers being more of a sudden situation others yes. being somewhat of a, a progression type of, yes. uh, of illness. So let me talk a little bit about you. You answered the question, but I want to follow up a little bit because I wanted okay. to ask you as a single child, what did that feel like for you when you lost your father and and how did you see your role change if at all, in terms of, caring for your mother and other things that your father may have traditionally done so did you feel pressure to do that or did you just know that you needed to do it and and did it you know out of you know the goodness of your heart and for the love of your mother
1: right um um very good question um i think it was just um the next step and it was something that i knew that i had to do um mm-hmm. from little holiday things like you know starting to carve the turkey to You know, making sure that the cars were taken care of, uh, oil change, you know, tires, all of those things that, you know, my father had, you know, previously taken care of. I had to now take care of because um, there was, you know, no one else there. Uh, So that, you know, really, you know, shifted. And then I remember my mom said one time, uh, me being an only child and me being a male child, she said that, you know, in her getting, you know, sick, she was always worried that by not having a daughter who would take care of her. Mm -hmm. Um, because I had older parents and they had an older mindset and usually, you know, daughters, you know, took care of mothers and, you know, so forth. But, you know, I rested, you know, made sure that she understood that, you know, me being an only child, was just that. It didn't matter if I was, you know, son or daughter, but it was, you know, my duty uh to take care of her. Sure. Yeah. Uh so uh we did have that conversation and then she also had the, you know, conversation that she felt at one point um very personally that she might be a burden and I said no, you're not a burden. So it was kind of that constant reassurance um that, you know, me being here is not a burden and that You know, I'm here to uh, help and assist you because I am the only child, and I want to make sure that you know things are done right. So I find myself being very protective. uh, Over makes sense. So
0: let me ask you: as an only child, who was your support system when you dealt with with your grief? Who who did you lean to, or who could you call on besides your mother? Who who what did that look like, and and who were those people for you?
1: Um. Friends and uh, yeah, definitely friends. Um, Actually, um, (laughs) uh, you, Dr. Washington, you know, you offered, you know, very, you know, good advice um, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, moving through that transition period. Um, Good friends, um, you know, from college uh, you know, really, I reached out to people that had had similar experiences sure. uh, and that I trusted their opinions. Uh, right. So they became, you know, my you know, support system. And uh, my mom always said, take time for yourself. Right. Uh, regardless of anything else, you need to take time for yourself uh, because she understood she was a caregiver for my grandmother. So she understood uh, the weight that a caregiver. Mm-hmm. uh carries and that you have to have some type of outlet uh, for that. So, yeah, definitely, you know, making sure that I had an outlet and then also relying on uh, friends to lend ear.
0: So that that makes sense to me and that you would reach out to people with similar experiences, because I think I, I have this conversation time and time again with a very good friend of mine that was was helpful to me when i lost both my parents and i remember her saying i don't know how you feel so i don't know what to say to you because i have not been where you are and that honest statement was really comforting to me because it wasn't someone trying to offer me some some words of wisdom who had not been where i was so i it makes sense that you would do that and i think it's just you know a good presence of mind to to know who to turn to and, and to trust those, those people um, in your life with such personal and close, you know, matters close to the heart, because I know talking about, I don't know about for you, but sometimes even today talking about my mom or my father, it can become very emotionally charged. So how do you, how did you deal with your emotions in, in being an only child? Because you know, when I lost my father. I had my mother and my siblings, and yes, I, I leaned on family a lot. But as an only child, and you're not in that same city as your mother or your, you know, your father. And so, how did you deal with your emotions?
1: Uh, I dealt with them, and I found that I, I dealt with them later. Mm-hmm. Um, I once again, I boxed them up and put them on the shelf later because. In being that only child, um, it fell on me to handle all the business, all the arrangements. Um, So I was, you know, so busy, you know, with the logistics of, you know, services and, you know, the things that come after that, um, being executor, that, you know, you really don't have time to (laughs) grieve. And I don't want to say that um, in a bad way, but you really don't have time to grieve because, you know, one thing is coming up after another and you just, you know, put it once again, put it on the shelf. Um The worst thing that anyone had ever said to me um after my mom passed was that how they pitied me. Wow. I had had a lot of pity for me because oh. being an only child and losing both parents um that, you know. I didn't have anybody, um, but you know, you do have, you know, what I consider family that may not be blood relatives, but are still family. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, that's you know, that was my you know support system. So people can be very uh, narrow-minded in their thinking um, when they you know look at people and how they you know handle grief uh, from afar. Um, But grief, you know, takes time for each person. So once again, I boxed it up and put it on the shelf Mm -hmm. and um, said, well, I'll deal with it, you know, later fully.
0: So let me ask you this. So, Mm -hmm. and I understand when you're dealing with final arrangements and trying to to figure out what comes next, there is very little time to deal with those emotions. But when things slow down and you do have the time to kind of deal with them, you said they came later. Yes. Did you ever feel like you reached an impasse where you were not making progress in your healing?
1: Yes, um, at two points. Um, one, um, when the Christmas after my mother passed mm-hmm. and I went to New York, I uh, was invited to go to New York for Christmas, um, mm-hmm. to kind of, just you know, wouldn't be sitting in the house. And then you also, you automatically, you think, wow, you know, um, it's just me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, I was spending Christmas, you know, with a friend at his family. And, you know, I looked at all the family members that were, you know, around and, you know, um, having that closeness. Uh, and I was like, wow, it is just me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, no brothers, no sisters, you know, um, having older parents, you know, my aunts and uncles were passed. So I was like, yeah, it is just me. Um, so that really, you know, was a thing there. And then when my son, August, was born, mm-hmm. um, it hit again because they were not there to share that. Right. Mm-hmm. And um,
0: how, did, how did you deal with that?
1: Um, you just deal with it the best way... Um, you can, and sometimes you, you know, deal with it little by little, and then you put the rest up. Um, but one of the best ways I dealt with it is looking at my son and seeing um pieces of my parents in him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like you know they're still here to some extent. Um, so even you know, through that, it was you know rough at first, but then, um, seeing the Um, characteristics that are so similar in the mannerisms and the things that he do, uh, will do, um, you know, really start that healing process.
0: Sure. So that, that leads me to another question. (laughs) And that is, I was wondering if you can talk a little bit about what can you say in terms of lessons and blessings you've been able to identify out of losing your parents because we often talk about how difficult and how how sad and we lament. But I do think that there are lessons and blessings um in dealing with losing someone and in dealing with grief. So can you talk a little bit about what are some of those lessons and, and the blessings that you've you've experienced?
1: Yes. Um, one and I put this at the very top of the list to grieve at your own pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a lesson learned to be able to grieve at your own pace. Do not let anyone else tell you um, you need to grieve here or grieve there. Uh, grieve at your own pace. Grieve at um, your own percentages. You might not grieve fully at one time, uh, but allow yourself to naturally grieve at, you know, whenever that time comes. And it might be a trigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might, you know, hear a song or You may see something, a car that reminded or anything, and it will trigger um, that process. So you have to let it um, flow and um, run naturally. Um, After that, I would say uh, it's always good to reflect. Uh, And, you know, the good times, some people don't like to think about, you know, those times because they make you sad that they're not here anymore. Mm -hmm. But, you know, thinking about those good times um really um uh, makes it that more important. Um, I think and keeps it real. And then one another lesson, and I said it's also a blessing too, is to be able to uh, and I saw this when my son was born, to keep those histories, those family memories alive and be able to pass them on to the next generation. Right. Exactly. I think that Yes, that is definitely a really good tool in um, they can be a lesson and a blessing because you're blessing that next generation. But it's a lesson to you. And that's something that, you know, really will move you through your grieving process.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. So let me ask you this. Um, you, you talked about memories and and focusing on the good memories. Is, is there a, a favorite memory you have of your mother or your father or? a family moment that you would be willing to share?
1: Uh yes, and there's um and I know you can probably relate to there's a whole lot of right you know good memories uh that you would have but um and it's not a you know really significant event or anything but just you know being at home um feeling safe in the home you grew up in and you know you hear your mom in the kitchen cooking dinner and your you know father is you know um talking on the phone, um, but that just that feeling of, you know, safety mm-hmm. um, um, or just, you know, when we would, you know, all of a sudden after church, daddy would say, well, let's go home and change clothes. We're going to go to the beach and um, we're going to, you know, eat seafood and, you know, at the beach and, you know, just have a good Sunday afternoon. So those spontaneous moments, um, I think, you know, were some really good memories um, that I still hold on to right now.
0: Yeah. That's so interesting. You, you mentioned that about your mom cooking, just having a conversation with one of my siblings the other day. And we talked about how we, we so enjoy waking up to mom's breakfast every morning. And so I I know what those memories feel like and, and look like. So it's, it's nice to have them. Yes, Um, Yes. It's it's so important to allow them to help you with your, your healing uh, journey. So if you were to take a look at where you are today and, and and look at the past in terms of your journey of, of, of healing, how do you feel like you've made, how do you feel in terms of your progress? Do you feel like you're in a good, a good space and a good place right now, or are you still working through some of those emotions and other things?
1: Yeah, I think it's, it will always be a work in progress with me. Uh, I don't think that, you know, I, and I, really don't want to fully ever get over because i think once you fully get over it you become you know immune to the emotion of Mm -hmm. you know missing your parents Mm -hmm. um but i will say that yes i have you know come full stride um because i was able to go through you know photo albums and you know things of that nature so i'm able to fully reflect um also too um i was able to listen to in the this was another small piece, but I always saved um, the voicemails from my mom. Mm. And um, last year, I was able to actually go through those voicemails and uh, listen to them, and I had not listened to them for years and years. So mm-hmm. you have those kind of strides where you're able to, you know, um, really move forward and, you know, have those gains. Um, but I don't ever really want to fully, fully get over it. I want it to still remain a work in progress.
0: Yeah. And I think you make a very good point. I remember my mother telling me when my father passed, you, you'll never get over it, but you will learn how to live with it. And I, I think you're absolutely right in that you're always working through it because some days I feel like, yeah, I'm I'm back. And then the very next day, I'm like, no, I'm not. So I, I totally understand that that struggle of constant, constantly having to work uh, to just keep going forward.
1: Right. Uh, That
0: that leads me to another question I want to ask. And and I always like to try to wrap these interviews up and by offering some closing comments that would be of help to someone listening who may be dealing with grief. Perhaps grief hasn't knocked at their door just yet. But, you know, we all know that at some point in time we're going to face some grief. And so I like to ask my my guests to to share some words of wisdom or advice for people in terms of what I call a survival toolkit of dealing with grief. So if you were to offer some advice or words of wisdom, what would that look like and what would that be?
1: Uh, Great, great question. Uh, I would say um, briefly three things. One is to always be yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do not um, feel that you have to grieve like anyone else, but be yourself and true to yourself in your grieving. Um, next, I would say take your time mm-hmm. um, with it, uh, whether you're packing up um, belongings or mementos, um, you're on your own timeline. So take your time with that. And then lastly, uh, cherish the moment mementos. Uh, cherish those things, um, whether they're, you know, simple objects or whether they're, um, you know, really nice heirlooms, but take um, those mementos and cherish those mementos uh, that you will always have something to trigger um, good, happy thoughts of um, those that you grieve for.
0: Those are solid and and ones that I I can't attest to using myself. So thank you for uh, sharing those. So Dr. Baker, I want to thank you so much For coming on the show. I know this is not an easy topic, so I'm always so very appreciative and grateful for people agreeing to come on. So um, as a dear friend and colleague, I I just want to thank you so very much for being a part of this podcast and sharing your
1: story. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Washington. I really, um, I want to say I really enjoyed this this opportunity because it is, you know, still a continuous process. Uh, So thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. So uh, thank you for listening. And as I always say, in time and with perspective, your pain and grief will take its proper place in your life.